Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Roadhouse International and Compass Group International. And welcome to another episode of Retire in Thailand. Today, we want to talk about two things, and they are extremely and highly requested, which is the different types of visas that are available to foreigners. So I'm going to go through a brief overview of the eligibility of the requirements uh, for a typical retirement visa in Thailand. And then the other type of visa, which maybe or maybe not you have heard of, which is the Thai Elite Visa. And these are two very different types of visas and different types of requirements when it comes down to financially. Then the next thing I'm going to talk about is health and happiness. A lot of people that are looking to retire look at retirement completely wrong. What I mean by that is, is that take a look at yourself, for an instance. Those of you listening to this, and it doesn't matter what demographic, what age group you're in, when you're thinking of retirement, you are not really thinking outside the box. So yes, you're checking off one box, which is, what do I need to save financially? What are my monthly bills and annual bills going to be? Uh, how much uh, do I have to calculate in for inflation? Uh, how long am I planning to live? And so forth. But the one thing that a lot of people get wrong when it comes to retirement is location. Some of you feel that, okay, well, uh, maybe when we retire, we want, to, we want to be snowbirds. We want to get away from the Midwest, from the from the northern part of the states or different parts of Europe that's just too cold, and we want to go somewhere sunny. Like, for example, some people in the UK, many of you actually move to Spain, the coastal side of Spain, like Alicante or Costa del Sol, or maybe you can go out to Portugal, or even maybe Italy. And in North America, many of you from Canada or Northern America or the Midwest come down to the Southwest. Arizona, Nevada, California, and even Florida. But the thing is, is that what many of you are missing is what comes after retirement. I mean, you have all of your finances in order. You know exactly what you and your wife need to sustain yourselves for the rest of your life. And then you decide, okay, well, we're going to move to Tucson, Arizona, because it's gorgeous there when uh, the weather isn't too hot. We're surrounded by a beautiful mountain range. And the reason why I know this is, is I grew up in Tucson and we get a lot of retirees. It's safe. Uh, the people are extremely nice. But the thing is, is that what people don't account for is life during retirement and after retirement. People think of activities of, okay, well, I'm going to do what I love best. I'm going to golf. I'm going to fish. I'm going to do some crafts. Maybe move into a retirement community because there's so many of them in the Southwest. But the thing is, is that if you haven't read this, statistics have shown that people who retire tend to die within, especially men, especially you men, within five to 10 years, actually within five years, because you're so bored. And actually, they've shown a, a, a crazy stat of retired army person or retired military personnel that were officers and retired, and, they, and many of them have passed away uh, within five years. So the main thing is, is that 
what I want to talk about today is health and happiness and kind of expanding your, should I say, your thought of what retirement should be. It should be a place that, yes, it's extremely cheap to live. You're surrounded by nice people. But your activities isn't the same thing that's going to, over time, get you bored and basically put you on a faster track of being six feet under. I speak to so many retirees and they are extremely bored. That's why they come to places like in Latin America or in Southeast Asia. But the thing is, is that they make the same mistake in Latin America. And I know this because that's where I started my business. We help developers develop projects that were strictly geared towards selling to retirees, people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. And, and I saw a tremendous amount, a high percentage of individuals that eventually move out of these beach communities in Latin America and actually go back to the States, go back to Canada, go back to Europe because they were bored. So I'm not going to go too much into detail as far as how to conquer the boredom factor, why Asia is so great, because I talk about it so, I talk about it in depth in a lot of my prior episodes. But the one thing I want to touch on is health. Susie Orman, uh, and if you don't know who she is, uh, she's a New York Times bestseller. She is a personal finance guru. And I really like her philosophy because she really believes on paying down debt, not holding a lot of credit cards, maybe just one for emergencies, but try to pay down and try to become as debt-free as soon as possible. Instead of, you know, the American dream uh, has been this fictional phrase over the last, I would say, probably two decades because the American dream was that I can retire when I'm 60 or 65, my home be paid off, have a beautiful home, white picket fence, in a nice community, that's no longer the American dream because the American dream for most Americans are unobtainable at the rate that most Americans are going. This pandemic has certainly shown that Americans are poor. They are literally one to two paychecks away from being homeless. Because the American dream is no longer a dream, what the American dream is Debt, accruing as much debt as possible. Obviously, you don't dream about accruing debt. You just subconsciously, unconsciously do it. Because we are, as Americans, and it's not just Americans, it's Canadians and people from UK, Australia, many English-speaking countries. As very young children, we are conditioned to take on debt. What's the very first thing? that people tell you uh, when you're in high school, get a secured credit card. You have to start building your credit. Then after you build your credit, then apply for a regular credit card. Then after that, get yourself a car. Get a car loan. Then after you get a car loan, you have, this, uh, you, you have, you have more, you have, you have a better credit score, go buy a house. Where Asians, it's actually just the opposite. I grew up with save, save, save. I bought my first car, paid cash for it. 
but my next car paid cash for it and save more money because your big your your biggest purchase should be home and you should pay cash for it you should not be incurring household debt or mortgage you shouldn't be holding a mortgage but westerners were were taught to accumulate debt so we've seen what's happened i mean take a look at yourself take a look at your finances look at your relatives look at your friends the average american is extremely and and just drowning in debt so the american dream is unobtainable it's very very hard to get there but but the great thing is is that there are so many other alternatives that we don't think about which is obviously retiring here in thailand but here's the other thing too about retirement that people don't think about which is health people so often neglect health america at one time was the unhealthiest country in the world then mexico beat america now america's number 2 and at the rate of americans the way they're going i think in a very short period of time something like 50% of the population of americans are going to be considered obese diabetes is on a rise so what's the point and we get back to Susie Orman just a minute what's the point of retirement where you worked hard all your life and you've done everything to save to sacrifice you and your husband have done a great job just to retire in an unhealthy state where you can't do anything because you have a hard time walking maybe you have a herniated disc because you're overweight um you have diabetes you're constantly on medication different types of blood pressure medication you're always out of breath i've seen it i've seen people i mean i'm fast approaching 50 and i see people that are my age that literally look like they're in their 70s and just myself just myself with personal experience i look at my friends that i grew up with in high school and i look at them now we're the same age and they look 10 to 15 years older and they're getting larger and larger every single year so please think about your health as one of the main strategies in addition to saving paying off debt and then deciding where to live because you can't enjoy retirement if you're unhealthy and that's what Susie Orman said Susie Orman had um she posted a great article i think it's about a week or two ago and she basically said is is that you could have all the money in the world but if you don't have your health then what's the point and that article really hit home with me because i obviously working with a lot of affluent clientele i run across a lot of workaholics where they're successful in one part of their life by make by building this empire building this company from scratch making tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars just to fail on their personal life horrible health families crumbling kids don't like them verge of divorce bad friends bad environment bad habits 
but they have tens of millions of dollars in the bank, but they're depressed, they're angry, and they take a lot of medication. And it's so interesting because when I come across these people and I talk to them, many of them don't even want to hear the word retirement because they despise their personal life so much that they just put these blinders on and they just want to forget about it. All they want to know is, I succeeded in life. I've made millions and millions of dollars because I came from a family that had nothing. I grew up with nothing. And look what I've done. Look. Look at all these great material things I have. I've done good. I've done well in life. But they neglect their personal life. And their personal life is so important. And their personal health. Yes, you're seeing more and more individuals as you know, as you... Have you seen probably the last, I would say maybe two decades, is that it seems that the poorer you are, the larger and more unhealthy you are, and the more affluent you are in the sense of the more money you make, you tend to eat better and you're healthier. But that's not always the case. Warren Buffett says the best, you can have all the money in the world But in your deathbed, a true measure of your success in life is how many people actually love you. So the reason why I'm talking about this, and I'll get to the visas here in just a minute because it's a very, very, um, I can literally go through that in 10 minutes. But the reason why I want to talk about health because it is so important to concentrate that on that for the later part of your life. Personal relationships are so important. And you can be introverted. My wife and I are very introverted. Yes, we have lots of friends, but we don't talk to a lot of people. We enjoy each other's company and we hang out with our families every once in a while, but we enjoy each other's companies. And, and, as, and as introverts, we're very exhausted in being around a lot of people, which we weren't that way when we were younger. We became introverted over time. But there are many of you that aren't introverts, that are extroverts, that love to be around people and love to socialize. But so often you're around a very unhealthy environment. If you're rich, most likely you're hanging around leeches, people that are just leeching off of you for access to VIP access to exclusive clubs and events, but they're not really your friends. I've seen this all the time. Or you're around people that maybe you grew up with, you've been friends for a long time, they're richer than you, they're better looking than you, and they always bully you, they talk down to you, they always talk about you sarcastically, and you just basically, this little person just takes these pot shots. I could never understand that. And I see this all the time in the past. I'm like, why are you friends with this person? You're successful. Yeah, you're not rich as this person, but why do you take their BS? Oh, they're just kidding. No, they're not. You're the punching bag. So health isn't just physically about losing weight, being able to run a mile, but health also a big part of it has to do with mental health. Mental health is another serious problem, not just in America, but as a rising problem throughout the world, especially Western English-speaking countries. 
There's more and more mental distress that people are going through professionally and at home. And it affects everything. So when it comes out of retirement, you have to account for physical health and mental health. Because if you're physically unhealthy and you're mentally unstable, like maybe you're suffering through depression, but you made all this money and now you're retired and now you have all this time in your hands, you're going to get worse. You're going to get, you know, dive deeper into depression. So that's the one thing that I see. That's a common thing that I see, especially uh, here in Asia, when I see retirees, is that they're happy. They're healthy physically because they're exercising. They're traveling more. They're, they're, they walk every day. That's one of the great things about living here in Bangkok is because we have wonderful public transportation. But in addition to that, there's so many... It's a great city to walk. It's like New York, but better. Walking around and searching new coffee shops, pastry shops, restaurants, things to do. You know, I've been living here in Thailand for eight years, and I still haven't experienced, I probably only experienced a quarter of Bangkok. And thank, thankfully, my wife, over the last many years, has shown me so many new things just in Bangkok alone that I would have never experienced because I'm not a local. And in addition to that is, is also the nearby travel to different countries. As I mentioned in one of my podcasts, within an hour or actually within a 45-minute flight to a three-and-a-half-hour flight, Bangkok, or should I say Thailand, is near 10 to 11 different countries. That's what makes this country such a wonderful place and such a haven for retirees. So I ask you is please include this very important aspect when it comes down to retirement planning. Especially those of you that are young right now that are millennials and you're seeking this fire movement and you and your husband are saving and doing everything you can you're working your side hustles, but remember, please do not neglect your physical health. And please pay attention and work on your mental health. And I know what it's like to be mentally unstable, in a sense. I grew up a very, very angry kid. Very angry kid. But as I traveled and I started living overseas, my anger started dissipating, started disappearing. Because I, I'm a firm believer, and I say this a lot, running away from your problems. So many people, I don't know where this quote came from, or where this philosophy came from, but it's so true. You are an image of the three people you hang out with the most. And you are a product of your environment. So if your three best friends are freaking douchebags, most likely you're a douche too. Your three friends are losers, most likely you're a loser too. And I'm, I'm just 
trying to be realistic here. So the thing is, is that if you don't like your environment, and not that I didn't like my environment in Tucson, I had wonderful friends. I have, ama- I grew up with amazing friends. Loved them. They cared about me. I cared about them. But the thing is, is that Tucson still had that small town mentality, and I needed to run away from that. That's why I went to California, and that's when my success took off. Firm believer of leaving your problems. Then when I was in California, I experienced a whole nother set of problems. And what that set of problems is, there's such thing as rich people problems. I became a spendaholic. Buying things. Material things. Because I had to prove myself. I came from a very successful family of self-made millionaires and and I was never a straight-A student where everyone in my family were straight-A students. So I had to prove myself and buy buying million-dollar homes and cars in a six-figure range and all these toys. It was my way of showing, hey, I did it. I made it. But it didn't make me happy. You know what it did instead? It made me more insecure. I gained a lot of weight. I'm 5'8 at my heaviest when I was living in Newport Beach, I, I got to 225 pounds. I stopped working out too. Had an awful, awful girlfriend at that time. Was literally the death of me. Surrounded myself with the wrong people that just, just, just helped me become more insecure because I needed to accumulate more because it was basically a measure of who's richer. And in my neighborhood, I was literally the poorest person in my block because everyone in my, in my community of 21 homes were multi, multi-millionaires. I'm talking tens, 20, even this couple individuals were worth over 100 million. Actually, my neighbor across the street, uh, he and his brother was worth a half a billion dollars. So I had to run away from that. So I ran away to Costa Rica. Didn't help. Because all that boredom of of not being able to do anything, like going to the same restaurants, seeing the same people, going to the same beaches all the time, it just made me think and think and think and snowball effect and snowball effect, and it just got worse. And I came running back to Newport Beach. But then something happened. Something happened when I came here to Thailand. Thank God for my friends, Bonsai and Shelly. I'm actually going to give them a call here uh, in a minute. They're my near and just dear friends. Nine years ago, I went with them to Thailand, here to Thailand, and spent a month here. It changed my life. And for those who don't know my background, my job is to travel around the world looking at trends and and, uh, working with developers and selling real estate. And also, as a TV producer for House Hunters International, I also got to travel to many parts of the world working with expats. So I've been to all the places that are considered retirement havens. Spain, Italy, Portugal, Fiji, all over Latin America, France. But nothing matches 
to Thailand. Nothing. There isn't any country that holds a light to Thailand for what it provides. Number one, it allowed me to basically help me be preoccupied, because I'm a huge foodie, with all those different types of cuisine from all over the world. So I'm always finding some new restaurants, not restaurant, restaurants every single day. And I would, I would think that many of you listening to this too are, are coffee lovers. I'm a huge coffee lover and also in search of great coffee shops. And also, I love to work out. So in walking around each day, I'm looking at my Apple Watch, I'm averaging about five miles of walking each day, and I'm working out and, go, and trying out different gyms, from regular traditional gyms to CrossFit, because CrossFit just got started getting popular out here, and also Muay Thai, got back into martial arts, which is also a passion of mine. And I got to meet new people. You know, some of the greatest people you can meet on the road are other expats. Because have you ever noticed that some of the most interesting people you can ever come across are the ones that travel frequently? Because they're not shy. They have a wonderful personality. They have great stories. They're so well-rounded. They're not overly opinionated. So I got to meet a lot of expats from around the world, but mostly from Australia, New Zealand, UK, and other parts of Asia. Not a lot, there's not a lot of Americans here. But, but they're coming. They're coming. And not a lot of Latins. But I met a fantastic crowd of people. Then I finally met my wife, which is the greatest thing ever. She just makes me a better person. And we're like... We're just, we fit so well. So all I can say is, is that Thailand has made me healthier physically because every single place that I live, that we live, we have a wonderful gym and pool, steam sauna and stuff like that, those type of facilities in, in, our, in, our, in our condos or in a building, we have access to it. And with within walking distance to other world-class gyms. And then in addition to that, as far as mental health goes, because the Thai people, have you ever been around an environment where people are just very hostile? I certainly have. I can tell you some of the most hostile places I've ever been to. Hong Kong and China. <laughs> Why? Because people talk really loud. They're always in your face. <laughs> That's just, that's just a Chinese culture. That's just Cantonese for you. They talk aggressively. They're not afraid to get in your face, to push your buttons. I despise being in environments like that. I, spy, I despise being in hostile environments because it's, it just works up my nerves and it's just not good. It's not good. It's not good for my health. But here in Thailand, the culture... Is a, is a non-confrontational culture. I grew up with my parents instilling Japanese, Taiwanese manners. Japan, if you weren't aware, just give you a little history, uh, basically occupied Taiwan for almost 100 years. So there's a lot of part of, 
of, tai, of a Taiwanese culture that's very Japanese. And we, we basically, it's very, or should I say, is the mannerisms being polite, being gentle. A lot of it came from the Japanese culture. It's one of the things I love about Japan. It's, a, it's truly the most civilized culture, civilized country in the world. Taiwan is very much the same, extremely safe. Thailand, never been occupied, believe it or not. The, the battles the, the, in ancient times, uh, they were fighting with the people from Burma, from Myanmar, uh, and all the nearby countries like Cambodia and Laos, but they were never occupied. Because when the French came and occupied Vietnam, they started making their way to, Viet, to Laos and to Cambodia, but the war ended before they actually reached Thailand. But the Thai culture is non-confrontational. It is considered bad manners to raise your voice in public. I remember this one time. Uh, my wife um, runs her own personal training company. Uh, for She's a corporate trainer. So she teaches and trains sales, operational, um, presentation skills, public speaking skills to many large corporations here in Thailand and also very, and also very prominent public figures uh, that are political figures, should I say, like ministers of certain departments. But her day job, she also works for the largest and most reputable, one of the most reputable developers here in Thailand. So we were talking about work. We were talking about a person that she works with, which is an upper management, that was a just total idiot. Just very old school douche of a guy that feels that how you manage is by intimidation and by delegating, but he doesn't practice what he preaches. So he's basically like that overweight fat guy that's telling you, the skinny guy, you need to work out and I'm going to teach you how to work out. That was him. That was him. So the, so the conversation started, started getting me angry because I hate hypocrites. Dis I despise hypocrites. And I started, getting, I started getting worked up because when I speak, I do speak passionately. And sometimes I come across very aggressive um, to some different cultures. In the, in the States, I'm not considered aggressive at all. China wouldn't be. But in Thailand, she said, okay, we need to calm down. Oh, oh. She's like, I'm like, what? what? What's going on? She's like, you need to just relax a little bit. Because we're in public and the way you're talking to me looks like we're having a fight. I'm like, but we're not fighting. I'm just talking about this, this idiot that you work with. She's like, that's just a Thai culture. I'm like, oh. Took me a while to figure that out. You know, for an example, if you, if you go to a market and you get ripped off, you don't yell at the merchant. It's considered bad manners. But that's what I'm trying to say is that's what I love about this Thai culture. Everything about it is so calming. And so relax. And it's great for your health. Your physical health and your mental health. So that's why it's very, very important. Is that when you are picking a place to retire, you're not duplicating the horrible environment that you left. The one thing I can never understand is when people are retiring 
the same city that they lived for decades and decades. The reason why I don't understand that is, is because, for example, let's just say Tucson. Okay? Tucson is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with Tucson. It's a gorgeous city. Like I said, surrounded by four mountain ranges close to Mexico. People are super freaking nice. You have, you have this gorgeous and amazing monsoon season that comes in. And the, the, the desert there is so beautiful, unlike the desert like in Nevada, which is a Mojave desert, which is freaking disgusting and ugly. When you look at the, uh, the desert, which is, I think, called, is it a Sedona desert? I think the Sedona desert or Sonora desert. It's just gorgeous and beautiful. You know, you see the blooms coming up from the soil, cactus and a barrel cactus and the vegetation. It's truly a beautiful, beautiful little city. But the thing is, I couldn't imagine if I went to high school and college there and I worked there all my life. I couldn't imagine retiring in Tucson because I've already done everything for two or three decades. What else is there to do? And that's a mistake that people, that people make. Because they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. But you have to get out of your comfort zone if you want a great retirement. You need to spark it with adventure, with travel, experiencing new things. So moving from Tucson to Phoenix for retirement or vice versa from Phoenix to Tucson is the same exact thing. Or even moving from one desert to the other. Some people move from Phoenix to Las Vegas. There's nothing different. Not everyone is going to agree with me because people just can't imagine living outside of their comfort zone. There are people in the States that have never been to the East Coast. They're like, I, I don't want to go to the East Coast. That scares me. New Yorkers are mean. That place is so dangerous. I freaking love New York. It's a great freaking city. But I also love L.A., Love Miami, Austin, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee. Myrtle Beach is gorgeous. Every place has some sort of beauty, but the thing is is that when it comes down to retirement and you're looking at, depending on what age you're in, so let's just say the average person I'm talking to is roughly about 50 years old, and the, the average individual now lives to, like, let's say, 72 you have 22 more years, two decades to fill your life with something new. Life is about creating wonderful memories. And I learned that from my brother. And it's so true. Life isn't about just sitting idle and just waiting for the time to pass. Because if you think about this, think about something bad that happened in your life. Some traumatic experience. When that traumatic experience happens or you're in a traumatic environment, what do you do? Where does your brain fly off to? It flies over to a wonderful memory. Because wonderful memories is what keeps you alive, what keeps your hopes up, keeps you sane. And that's why life is not about sitting idle and being bored, or being comfortable. If you truly want to live life, and experience life, it's about creating wonderful new memories. Seeking out new experiences. 
That is the key to life. So as I wrap up and go into visas, I just want to leave you with one more footnote. Is Warren Buffett is, I mean, I extremely admire him uh, for his charitable efforts and what he does and obviously just as the master investor. But he is one of the few people that I have read and admired that have not just hundreds of millions of dollars but billions of dollars that tells people money is not... Making a lot of money shouldn't be your first goal. Cooling that kind of money should be your second or third goal. But your first goal should be fixing yourself. Finding personal happiness. Fixing your brain. Being healthy. But also, like he says, is a true measure of success in life is on your deathbed. How many people actually love you? And if you're thinking about that right now and, and it's a depressing number, then you have some work to do. But for those of you, if you have a lot, you know, I got a lot of people. That's wonderful. That's excellent. That means you, you're succeeding in life. So my hand's off to you. So let's dive into visas. So there are two visas that I, I recommend. And there's two visas I'm really going to talk about, which are typical Excuse me, let me just take a quick sip of coffee here. Which is your typical retirement visa, and then you have your Thai elite visa. So for those that are listening to this right now, for those that are on a fixed income or and or have just let's just say under a million dollars to retire. I would recommend just the regular retirement visa. So with the retirement visa, here are the qualifications. You must be at least 50 years of age to submit your application. And when you submit your application, you also have to have basically what's eight, it's the equivalent of 800,000 Thai baht marinating or sitting in a Thai bank account for at least two months before you submit the visa application. 800,000 baht is roughly about twenty-four to $25,000. What's great about this is that it's still your money. It just sits there as a deposit in a bank, accruing a little bit of interest, but it's still your money. So that's the first requirement, or should I say second requirement. So 50 years of age, twenty-four to $25,000 in a bank. Then you must also prove a monthly income of 65,000 Thai baht. 65,000 Thai baht is roughly about, let's just say about two, $2,000 just to $2,200. Just to make it easier, because these numbers do go up, let's just say $2,500. You should prove an income, this is per individual, of about $2,500 per month. Whether it comes from retire, um, you know, let's just say other equities, your equity portfolio, pensions, other retirement type of portfolios, income from properties from other countries or your home country, whatever it may be, you need to prove that monthly income. Then you must not have any type of criminal record 
in any country. Not just your country, but in any country. And then you have to get uh, Thai health coverage, uh, which basically cover, you know, basic health coverage. So the health coverage is still going to be a lot more reasonable than, let's just say, uh, any Western country that you're coming from, any English-speaking country. What's great about Thailand is that we have excellent hospitals here and healthcare. If you listen to my, some of my episodes, it is so dirt cheap, just dirt cheap, very, very affordable. Then there are some other things. So the documents needed to, and I'm just going to do it, give you a 35,000 feet overview, uh, needed uh, for this Thai retirement application is your passport must be valid for at least six months. And that should always be a footnote for you, and you should always have that in the back of your head. Whenever you're traveling internationally, your passport should not expire within six months on your return from that country. So just to keep things safe, make sure your passport's always valid. It doesn't expire for at least a year from when you submit, just to be on a safe side. Then uh, you're going to need a passport size picture of yourself with a white background and taken within six months. Uh, and you know, it's really funny. It says, you must have a neutral facial expression and staring ahead. This is very important. I actually know of individuals that smile in their passport photos and they'll send it back saying, you can't smile. So you have to have a neutral, no smile facial expression looking straight ahead. And if you have long hair, it has to be, it has to be pulled back. You can't have hair over your head, over your face, should I say. Your entire face must be fully uh, visible. Glasses are allowed, you know, if you, but not like the heavy, big, old frames. And then, let's see, it says, proof you meet the financial requirements as detailed above through one of the following bank statements and letter bank statements or letter of guarantee showing a deposit in a Thai bank, which is no less than a detailed above. And then let's see bank statements showing an annual income of no less than what's defined above, which I told you what the annual income, or should I say not annual income, uh, but uh, your monthly income of 65,000 baht. Let's see, then uh, you have to show a proof of your health insurance uh, that covers at least 40,000 Thai baht for outpatient treatment. So 40,000 Thai baht is about $1,100. And at least 400,000 baht, which is about $12,000 for inpatient treatment as detailed by the Thai General Insurance Association. And then when you apply, you're going to contact the Thailand industry, uh, embassy or consulate to submit your application. Obviously, you have to make an appointment. So that's pretty much the gist of the requirements for a retirement visa here in Thailand. And the vast majority of you, this is what I recommend. But for the other half of you or the other more affluent clientele that have over a million dollars, I highly recommend 
the Thai Elite Visa. The Thai Elite Visa is just the way to go. It doesn't matter. Uh, age is not a requirement. But the nice thing is, is that you're just paying a fee, a flat fee for a five-year, 10-year, or 20-year multi-entry visa. And it is a fantastic program. So let's jump into it. So basically, five years for a five-year visa, it's going, the membership fee is going to cost you 500,000 baht, $15,000. Then a 10-year is going to cost you 800,000 baht, which is about 24 to 25,000. And then the 20-year is going to cost you 1 million baht, which is $30,000, depending on what your exchange rate is. Majority of people I, I know are doing the 20-year membership. But here's the other thing, too, about the Thai Elite Visa. So, yeah, you're giving up this chunk of money, but the process, the application process is easy. And again, they're going to they're check, make sure you don't have a criminal, criminal record, but you don't have to prove any sort of income. That's all done with. You're just basically paying this fee, this one-time membership fee. But here's the other great things that you get. You get like an airport shuttle service. So when you arrive at Swanaboom Airport, you actually get your own line for Thai Elite. So you have to wait with everyone else in these big old long queues and long lines going through, uh, going through immigration. You actually get your own uh, area for the Thai Elite program and you just buzz right through. Then in addition to that is you get obviously uh, airport shuttle service, lounge service, and you get to you get these outings. So golf, 24 times a year, basically two times a month. Spa services, 24 times a year. And you get one free annual health check uh, from one of the leading hospitals here in Thailand. And you get other discounts, and, and you get your own concierge, your own government concierge, your member concierge. It's just a wonderful, wonderful program. And also, just to let you know, is it doesn't matter if you do the Thai elite visa or the retirement visa, just a regular retirement visa. Thailand has a 90-day reporting. That means every 90 days, you have to show up and report in immigration. The process is, is, is fairly quick, but you have to do it every 90 days. That means you have to be in the country every 90 days to do that. So here's the one thing. You're probably asking yourself, okay, what if I'm not going to live in Thailand full-time? What if I'm only there part-time? Do I really need to do this? The answer is no, you don't. These visas are really for someone that is going to live here in Thailand full-time and rarely travels out of the country. It's pretty much the assumption is you live here in Thailand 80% of the time, 20% of the time you're elsewhere, or even just full-time, 100% of Thailand. These are the programs that you, that you want to be in or invest in. But if you're an individual, and there are a lot of individuals like this that basically live in, live in Thailand maybe 50% of the time, or even 30% of the time, or 25% of the time. So if that is the case, you really don't need to spend your time and money to do this. Because one of the great things about Thailand is that 
when you come into the country, you get an automatic 30-day free visa. 30-day visa on arrival when you're, when you're flying to Suwannabum Airport or, or Don Mung Airport. Then foreigners on a tourist visa have the option to extend it another two months so you have a total of three months here in the country at a fee of 2,000 baht, which is $60. So many, not many, but there are individual and there are retirees that only stay in Thailand basically one to three months at a time. So let's just say uh, you're someone who lives in England, in London. So you, so you have a home, let's just say in the beach area, maybe you're in Jomtian, and you have a place here in Bangkok. So you're really only here in Thailand maybe two months at a time. So you come here, you uh, obviously get your 30 days on arrival, then you go to a nearby immigration office, and then you do the extension, the one or two month extension, you pay your fee, and then off you go. Then you fly out, and then you repeat the same thing when you come back to the country three or four months down the road. There are many people that do that. There are actually people that I know of that spend two months in Thailand, two months outside of Thailand, or three months in Thailand, and three months outside of Thailand. And they just do that back and forth. And as long as you're flying in by air travel, not by land, not doing these border crossings, because they're really cracking down on these border crossings. But if you're flying into Thailand from an international flight, there is no regulation and there's no penalties on basically doing and renewing this type of visa. And please do not play with the, to or, or should I say is, please do not, read some of these forms where you have a lot of these young folks and not just young folks, but people that are doing these border crossings and they're doing what's called visa runs where they're like, okay, well, uh, they live in Thailand full time and this used, they used to be able to get away with it. Thailand cracked down on this like four or five years ago. So let me give you an example. Let's say that someone lives here in Bangkok. So they get a three month visa. Then they do a visa run. They drive across the border to Laos, basically stay there a couple of days, and they enter back into the country of Thailand from the land crossing to extend another 30 days. And people just did that. Without ever having to truly fly out of the country, they just do these land crossings, whether it's through Cambodia or... Is it Cambodia? Most of the people do it through Laos. They do it through Laos. But they really cracked down on that. I mean, the Thai government was realizing what people were doing and taking advantage of the system, and they just shut those border crossings down. So uh, please do not do that. Please do not pay attention to these border runs. Just do it legally. If you're going to be in the country full time, just pay the expenses to do a Thai lead visa or get your paperwork together and just do the regular regular visa. The other thing too is that obviously there are many other type of work visas. If you want to work here part-time, let's just say if you have a college degree and you want to teach English because there is a shortage of English, uh, basically English instructors, but you have to have a college degree, some sort of bachelor's degree somewhere. And you can teach here and you can get a work permit. Same exact thing too is, believe it or not, 
you can get actually education visas from many of these Muay Thai gyms, like Master Toddy. Uh, and I've trained at his gym. It's not too far from where I live. It's only about a 15, 20-minute drive from where I live in Bangkok. Master Toddy also, and if you don't know who Master Toddy is, he's a world-famous uh, Muay Thai instructor. He used to have a gym in Las Vegas, but I think he shut it down. But his gym here in Bangkok allows, basically, they'll put, they'll, they'll help you with the whole process of getting an education visa through your Muay Thai instruction. I know this because I've seen it on his website. I don't know the details. You have to contact um, the school and other Muay Thai schools to get more information about it. But there are quite a few Muay Thai gyms that I've been to that advertise this on their website and on their front door saying, hey, we provide education visas. So that is kind of like a nice overview of the different type of visas. And and I really feel that Thailand is, let's see, as this pandemic obviously is getting worse and worse because we're actually going into fourth quarter and it looks like America is just skyrocketing with new infections and the UK is happening, Australia, New Zealand. So until these countries can get a hold of, these Western countries can get a hold of a, vac- a vaccination, which hopefully will come first quarter of next year, Thailand most likely will not allow any travelers from any Western or English-speaking country. This month, or actually this week, they've already allowed flights from China. So Thailand is going to most likely open up to the nearby Asian countries first, here in Southeast Asia and also Asian countries up north, with the exception of India. But the other English-speaking countries, it probably won't happen until first quarter of next year or even second quarter of next year or and or if the vaccine is here sooner than that. So in the meantime, uh, do your research. Uh, a lot of this information on Thai Leap visas and visa requirements are available online. And the, in addition to that is, is that listen to my other podcasts and my other episodes because the idea is to help educate you not just on helping you make a decision if you're deciding to retire, but helping you make the decision of retiring the right way, making retirement successful and fun, and also educating you to realize that retiring outside of your country is not scary. It's actually, there's so many benefits. My life here in Thailand far exceeds my lifestyle and my, my life in the States. It's way better, way better. And being from Taiwan and also Japanese, and I visit those countries and I have families in those countries, go there all the time, it even exceeds those places. Yes, Japan and Taiwan is nice. It's clean. It's super clean. But it's expensive. Thailand is not just, is not dirty. It's not a third world country. You walk around Bangkok and you, you feel like you're in New York, but cleaner. You do not skip a beat. Whether you are on a fixed income coming here with a fixed income, or if you're a person worth 50 to $100 million, Thailand can accommodate you. Where in some of these other countries, some of these retirement countries, especially if you're affluent, if you're looking to have a, a luxury lifestyle, like you're coming from one luxury lifestyle in the States or in Europe or in the UK, and you want to 
you want to basically transfer your wealth here, a part of your wealth here, and have that same luxury lifestyle. So many other countries, especially Latin America, do not provide the same type of lifestyle, especially in places like in Latin America. You're just not going to have it. You're not going to have it. Here in Bangkok, you want a mega mansion by the beach or on the beach? It's here. You want a penthouse that's equivalent to like a Ritz-Carlton, W, Manor Oriental? It's here. You want to buy an Aston Martin? You want to buy a Bentley? You want to buy a Rolls-Royce? It's here. You want to go and buy an Audemars Breguet watch, Patek Philippe, uh, Hermes purse? It's here. Any type of materialistic stuff you can think of, it's here. It's going to be more expensive, but it's here. Where when I talk to my affluent clientele and they're looking to move to some freaking island and they want to live in a luxury lifestyle, I I said, okay, that's great. You're going to move to an island. First of all, your your home probably will be underwater in 10, 15, 20 years. So you won't be able to will it to anybody because of tropical storms getting worse and worse. But the thing is, okay, you're going to spend one, two, five, ten million dollars for your beautiful home in the Bahamas or the Caribbean, but you're stuck with crappy food. You're going to be the only places you have access to are just bar food restaurants, like Jimmy Buffett restaurants everywhere, or TGI Fridays. You want Michelin-rated food? It's here. You want excellent Italian food, Middle Eastern food, Japanese food, Chinese food, Spanish food, Russian. It's here. But in these small little island getaways, it's not there. Yeah, you're a car fanatic and you want to buy a freaking McLaren. Good luck in some of these little islands. So that's why I tell people is, is that don't make the assumption And I say this a lot. When you go to another country on vacation and thinking, wow, I just spent the best one week or two weeks in our lives. We want to retire here. It's not the same. It is definitely not the same. One or two weeks is pretty much the maximum amount of entertainment and things that you've done and accomplished that's available for you in that small country. After that, you'll be bored out of your freaking mind. So I hope this podcast was helpful, and I hope to see you guys in Thailand very soon. So thank you for joining me.